This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. Welcome to a Joycast from Joy 94.9. Visit joy.org.au to find out more about our Joycasts. Uh, today we're all good-looking chicks, smart blokes, clever people. Uh, you're going to meet uh, two exciting young women from an organisation called Wine Unplugged. They make amazing wine. Uh, you're also going to talk to Peter Kuruvita, all about coastal living and you know life in Noosa. Tough at the top for some. And it is International Bacon Day, Father's Day tomorrow, so we're dragging Matt Wilkinson into the conversation as well. We've got a lot to get through. Best we get on. Yes, we are talking cravings. Hello, it's six minutes past one. I'm Pete Dillon. You are on Joy 94.9. Why wouldn't you be? It's a lovely Saturday afternoon in Melbourne. 15 degrees. We're almost at our expected top of 16. Uh, I want to introduce you to two very sparkly young women. They're pretty much um, taking the idea of the very conservative old world of wine and smashing the crap out of it, if I could be so vulgar. Uh, they make wines under several labels under a parent brand called Wine Unplugged. I am delighted to have them both, I think, in quite different parts of the state at the moment on the phone. Uh, the first of them is Nina Stocker. Nina, good afternoon. Hello. Thank you for having us. You're welcome. Are you lashing about on a, a lounge chair somewhere with a glass of something nice? <laughs> Nearly. I'm standing actually in my garden looking at the billboard and listening to the... Um the birds in the background. Well, that sounds very pleasant. It's time for a glass of wine. I'm not sure where your mate is. Your partner in crime is Kelly Jemison. She's also on the phone on a different line. Kelly, hello. Yeah, hey, Pete. How are you doing? Good, thank you. Where are you hiding with a glass of wine in your hand? I'm actually down on the Mornington Peninsula this weekend. Nice. So you're both yeah. uh, both enjoying regional Victoria. Let, let's. I, I want to explore your journey. We've got, a, we've got a little time to do this. Um, how did the two of you get together and start producing wine? And I guess the the next the next question that comes after that is who's in charge? Nina, how did how did you get together? <laughs> well, I'll try not to make it a long story, but um, oh, we've I got worked, some time. Um, <laughs> I was a, working as a winemaker, and I had a um, a chance meeting with um, Kelly's dad, Dave Jemison. Um, and I was an assistant winemaker, and we had a chat, and it was, um, you know, really exciting. He was talking about a job in New Zealand, and um, long story short, a couple of years later, I was in Portugal, so that the job in New Zealand didn't happen. I went to Portugal and travelled around, made wine in the Yarra Valley, and um, was 
doing night shift in Portugal and had a phone call from Dave Jamison again, and he said, so you remember that job in New Zealand? It's happening now. Are you free? And I said, well, I'm standing on a tank in, in Portugal, but why not? Let's do it. And um, I've always, always wanted to work with him because he's a um, very dynamic, exciting guy to, um, to be involved with. And um, went over to New Zealand and had a chance to meet Kelly at, um, when I was back in Melbourne for a, a visit. And she was a, a young, exciting chef who was thinking about her next step and wanted to, um, had been always thinking about wine. And I suggested she um, jump in the deep end and do a vintage, which means, um, you know, be involved with the, the harvest period in a, in a winery. And as a, as a newbie, you pretty much are shoveling out drains and stomping on grapes and, and have a, having a lot of fun. And that's the best way to work out whether you like the, the job or not. And so that was my meeting with Cal. And that's, um, yeah, that's, that's our brief history. Cal, Cal, is that all true? It is all true. It's exactly true. Nina said, listen, get a job at the pretty much the bottom of the pack. And um, and if you really like sorting fruit for 15 hours a day for six weeks, um, then uh, making's definitely for you. So the one piece of advice you'd give me was to make sure I had some really good hand cream. <laughs> so, <laughs> it, it, important, yeah. I'm sure. <laughs> she set me up with um, my very first job in the era which was great. And then a few years later, and I'd gone overseas for a couple of vintages and came back and um, we got back together again and thought, let's do something ourselves. So, I, Kel, I didn't realise that you were a chef initially. Yeah, well, I was. Um, I kind of did my um, vet kind of hospitality, commercial cookery um, when I was going through high school and then worked as a chef to get my way through my first degree at university. And um, then when I finished that, I went back and finished it at William Angles. You're um, quite, quite the, the little overachiever, aren't you? <laughs> no, not at all. Just I just feel like I need to have my finger in a lot of different pies. <laughs> Indeed, doing lots of different things. <laughs> Which kind of kinds of kind of brings us sort of full circle to to wine unplugged. Um, I mentioned at the top of the show, you're two quite smart young women who are who are really smashing the crap out of some of those old moors. It's it's often seen as quite a conservative conservative industry. Um, there have been women that have gone before you. You're not breaking all of the glass ceilings, but um, others have gone before you. The likes of of Vanya Cullen and Kerry Thompson and and you know Kate Goodman, who's a good mate of ours. Very all very dynamic women. Is it harder for women to be in the wine industry? Um, Nina, this one's he's, he's answering this. <laughs> Either Nina, or. Nina, you go. Um, I look. I think there are definitely. You know, it'd be crazy to say there aren't challenges in that regard. Um, and I think, you know, just speaking from my experience, I've had, I've been incredibly fortunate and probably also made some good decisions about who I work with. And, um, and working with good women and men in the industry has meant, um, uh, a lot of the, you know, challenges that, um, you do face when you're working in an industry that's, you know, very male dominated have been, um, you know, I've been able to manage them pretty well, I guess. And, um, and yeah, having role models, both you know, and Kate Goodman is one of them. She's um, I actually lived with her, flattered with her when I was in the Yarra Valley, and she was a, a great support she's and a great. Dragon bird. In, oh, she's amazing. Yeah, and and just um, certainly keeps it real. And um, she's always been a, a strong believer in sort of head down, bum up, just do you know, do your job and do it well. And um, any doubters out there will um, will we'll have a tasty wine and see that. There's no need to doubt. And and likewise, I work with some great guys like Steve Flamsteed and, and um, Dave Jamison, obviously, who have um, not only 
sort of supported me, but also um, yeah, made sure that um, that those um, the issues that you can and do face are are you're able to sort of let them be water off a duck's back. <laughs> Kel, has Dad been a good example for you? Oh yeah, he's been fantastic. He's been great. He's incredibly supportive. He's um, nurturing of all of our ideas. Nina and I can come to him with anything, and um, and it's never a no. We can't do it. It's okay. Um, work it out. Work out how you want to do it. Um, if we think it's got legs, and if everyone thinks it's you know a great idea, let's run with it. Let's give it a go and give it a crack. And he's very happy to um, to try anything. So it's been amazing. Could could you have done what you've done without Dave, I guess, is my next question. I'll ask you that, Kel, <laughs> and then I'll ask Nina. Um, uh, it's difficult to say. I'm not sure. Probably not because the experience and the opportunities that I've been um, so fortunately granted have been just incredible and it, and it has probably got a lot to do with the fact that it is my dad. But I've also put in the hard yards and I've done... You know, I've university degrees and worked overseas, and I did it all on my own two feet first. So, um, but yeah, he's definitely opened a lot of doors. So it's been, we've been very, very fortunate. Nina, could you have done what you've done without Dave's instruction, support, guidance, kick in the pants? I, um, no, I think it, it, it we've, you know, this has been such an awesome journey with, with him. Um, I think it's made the process, um, possible but also incredibly um sort of fast tracks it's made i think you know both cal and i maybe in the future could have teamed up and done this but doing it at the, at the point we are at um at the age that we're at and and i've actually um got two little kids so i've got a five-year-old and a one-year-old and and having a um because well, that doesn't make like things look more complicated does it <laughs> <laughs> i've had i've have had a baby strapped to the front of my chest while i've been um sampling grapes all vintage and and but having you know a, a partner like Kelly and a boss like Dave means that that's been um yeah that's been possible. So girls, I'm going to ask you to the flexibility is pretty cool. I'm going to ask you to stay with me. I've got to play a couple of community service announcements. Come back and talk some more about the actual brands and some of the wine you make because it's pretty special stuff. Oh. Uh, Kelly Jemison and Nina Stocker are the winemakers from Wine Unplugged. Two sparkling young women. They're uh, bloody good winemakers as well, which I think. What's in the bottle will will actually be the proof that's that's in the pudding. You're on cravings here on Joy ninety four point nine. Cars, cooking, cruises, we have it all. Weekends on Joy ninety four point nine. You're on cravings here on Joy ninety four point nine. I have with me Kelly Jamison and Nina Stocker. They are wine unplugged. They make wine under a number of brands, and this is pretty much a, a non traditional model or a non traditional way of making wine. Um, girls, would you would you say that it's non traditional? Yes, <laughs> I, I, I would. Would you, Cal? <laughs> Definitely. Definitely. But it's also traditional in the way that we um, have got a strong focus on regionality. So we're still sourcing fruit that we you know, think is um, shown the best in particular regions, and, and that's what we're running with. So, so let, let's talk about some of the brands that you make wine for. So Pachamama... Um, is something that most people might know. They'll see it in a bottle store. They'll see it on a wine list. Um, was Pachamama the first for you both? Yes, it was. Um, um, for, for us together. You, you go first, Cal. <laughs> you go, Nina. <laughs> I was going to say, um, Pachamama was the first brand, and um, it began as a, um, a Shiraz and a Riesling, so Shiraz from Heathcote and then a Riesling from Central Victoria. And over the years, we added a um, Pinot Gris from Central Victoria as well, which has been um, a great a great one for us. And then a Yarra Valley Pinot and Chardonnay, because that's where 
I guess that's where it all began, and we wanted to make wine in the Yarra Valley as well. And we thought the, the Pinot and Chardonnay, obviously, from the Yarra were the, were the strongest. So, Kel, I'm going to get you to jump in and tell me about White Stripes, because this sort of plays to your love affair with um, with Italian things, does it not? Yeah, it does. So um, when I got the call that Nina was coming on board with um, with Patcher, and I um, uh, had the chat to Dad at the time and thought maybe or not there might be a position for me there as well to come up with, um, to be, you know, taught the reins, I mean, to be taught... Um, the trade from from Nina. Um, I was actually in Italy working with um, a lady called Christina Gimiani, who I thought was just um, an absolute cracker of a winemaker. She was so knowledgeable and she's incredible, and I really um, learnt a lot from my couple of months living and working um, at her um, winery, which is Fatteria Zabina. And um, and so that's where my kind of love affair with Sangiovese, especially, began. She was in the Emilia Romana region, which was um, fascinating. So. Coming back to Melbourne and coming back into Patcher and we'd established Patcher quite well, I really wanted to do something out of the Alpine Valley, especially, or King Valley. Um, and something kind of Italian would have been, was, was amazing. So we managed to f- source some incredible Sangio from, um, and Grigio, both from up in the Alpine. Now, for those, um, for amazing, those playing at yeah. home, that's a Sangiovese and a Pinot Grigio. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, 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 no. You're right. You're talking winemaker speak. My job is to my job is to dissect it and make it uh, make it for make it into layperson's terms. Yeah, thank you. I say it so often that I don't realise that it's you know shorthand. But um, yes, I really wanted to make Pinot Grigio and Sangiovese and found amazing vineyards with with just the most incredible fruit. So white stripes came about um, from there, really. And then, uh, which one of you got, fell in love with Provence and decided you needed to make a um, a, a, a French style of rosé, Nina? That was um, definitely a team a team effort and a um, uh, a conversation that began with we really would love to add a rosé to our portfolio because we both love rosé. And then the next question, of course, was well, we're talking regionality and we talk about where each variety comes. Um, you know, is the strongest, and we both looked at each other and said, "Well, rosé comes from Provence, and that's the, the the style that we love." And the, um, you know, and we both have, have worked both worked in France and absolutely adore the people and the food and and everything else that goes with it. And so, we um we had a chat with Dave and we looked at the costings and to see if we could actually make it a viable um, product, and we could. So we we teamed up with a beautiful. Um, family in France who have a, a gorgeous single vineyard in Provence, which is um, producing beautiful fruit, and we, we realised we could do a rosé with them, and, and that's um, where Lovey on Rose was born. Nina Stocker and Kelly Jamison are my guests uh, in different parts of the state, but partners in, in, in crime and partners in wine making beautiful wines. And we're going to get to a, a little event that's happening uh, in the next couple of days very shortly. Um, Kel, we're sort of jumping back to you and, and your love of Italian things again with your newest brand, your newest label, which uh, those people who want to stay listening will find out a little bit more about it in just a little while. Tell us about this Pinot Grigio called The Dagger. Yeah, The Dagger is a very exciting new project for both Nina and I. It's one of those projects that just all fell into place um, so beautifully and it was just incredible and it's going to look amazing and we've only just kind of bottled it in the last... Um, last week so the first showing of that will be at our um event on monday night which is it's very exciting but 
this um, was all about the fruit selection. It was all about the vineyard, and it was all about this incredible, like, small parcel of um, wine that Nina and I found. Um, making white stripes as well, there was just this couple of barrels that were kind of different stylistically, very aromatic, gorgeous, um, gorgeous fruit, gorgeous wine. So we just decided that why not give it its own little um, package and its own little home and let it speak for itself. I'm I'm very. Um privileged to have tasted this wine straight from the barrel so i can assure you it is it's one cracking uh cracking pinot grigio is there something else joining it at some point um it will so the the dagger pinot grigio will have um will have the cloak which will be a sangiovese which is also another little parcel that we've um we've put aside for that so hopefully that'll be with us um early next year the cloak and dagger so let's talk a little bit about harvest feast this is happening on monday night at uh the noisy ritual which is an urban winery project in uh east brunswick what what's harvest feast all about nina um it's all about i guess what we believe that one one should be all about which is just um casual fun um it's all about the food coming together and, and sharing what we've been doing for the last year and and showing our, our wines to our pretty much our friends and our um our lovely customers who who uh, have been very loyal supporters so it's a bit of a way of celebrating the year and, and just showing what um what our wines are, are doing and, and our new releases. So it's a very exciting for us to be able to um do this in a in a way exactly the way we love it. Relaxed, gorgeous food, um, done simply. And lovely people. Yeah, good music. Nicely, nicely played, Cal. Who's playing? Who's the music? <laughs> oh, Andy McGarvey, who's actually a, um, a good mate of mine from primary school. So he's going to be, he's an incredible guitarist and vocalist and he's got his own band and released an album just recently. And so he's very kindly offered it to come and play for the night. So we're very excited about that. And I believe you've got a really good looking MC as well. Oh, we do, <laughs> It's going to be great. <laughs> hey, um, so if people want to know more about Harvest Feast, they can go to eventbrite.com.au, chuck in the words Harvest Feast, and you'll find uh, that there are some tickets available. I think it's an event not to be missed. Um, I'd love to have the two of you back into the studio at some point in the next little while. I want to continue this this story and this journey because I know you've got to go, and I've also got to go and talk to somebody in Noosa. Um, so uh, continued success. Good luck with Monday night with Harvest Feast. And uh, let me get you together in this studio and we'll play for an hour and talk all things wine and uh, and women because I don't think we've scratched the surface just yet. Awesome. Yeah, we Thank you so much for including it. us. <laughs> it's my pleasure. Hey, um, uh, Kel, enjoy the Mornington Peninsula. Enjoy the rest of your afternoon. Don't drink too much. Oh, and now I can have a beer. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you would have had one to calm your nerves. Uh, <laughs> And Nina, um, enjoy your beautiful uh, billabong view with your birds and bubs. Enjoy your afternoon. You can go and have a glass of wine now as well. I think I might just have a glass of rosé. Perfect. You, it's a great day. Thanks Good so to talk to you us. both. <laughs> My pleasure. That's Kelly Jamison and Nina Stocker. They are Wine Unplugged. And I think if if you've ever had a dream of, of wanting to be involved with wine, these two very smart, very dynamic young women should be a fine inspiration for you because apart from being great fun, they're, they're very, very talented winemakers. Very shortly, Peter Kuravita, um, he lives in Noosa. You might know him. He's uh, done a bit of stuff on the telly. He's got a new series called Coastal Living coming on to SBS TV. We're going to speak with him. I hope it's a nice day in Noosa. Uh, you're here on Cravings on Joy 94.9. 
Hi, this is Dan Churchill from MasterChef. You're listening to Cravings on Joy 94.9. Thank you, Dan Churchill. It's interesting we have uh, somebody from MasterChef because... We're talking about chefs on television at the moment, and somebody you may be familiar with, you might have seen him on the SBS, he's a reasonably good-looking fellow, I give you that. Uh, but he is all about um, a new series called Coastal Living. Uh, he joins me on the telephone from a coastal spot, I believe it's Noosa, right up in the beautiful Sunshine Coast in Queensland. Peter Coravita, good afternoon. Good afternoon, good afternoon, Pete. Yes, I am on in Noosa, on the beautiful Sunshine Coast. Uh, are you, are you lashing about with a, a cocktail in a pineapple, or are you actually working... Well, I'm working from my office, but I just got off the beach and the surf's doing pretty well, so I thought I might head out and then after this conversation and then come back and try and do some work. Oh, a tough life at the top, isn't it? <laughs> no, it's, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a fun place to be. We moved up here about uh, three years ago, and it was a, a really nice change. Um, one of those classic, um, classic life-changing moments got out of it. I, I travel a lot, and I come... Used to come into Sydney Airport and uh, was was fortunate enough for me, but not for the taxi drivers, that I was only right away from the airport. And so, this dread getting off the plane and getting into a cab to go home because every time there would be an issue, every time. And this one time it got it got pretty nasty. And I just say, guy, look, this is this is where I live. I'm sorry that you've queued for three hours, but. This is where I live. What do you want me to do? Anyway, got out of the cab, walked into my house and just said, that's it. Let's get out of here. We've done 40 years in this city. Let's try something else. And that was basically it. Packed the van. Packed the family and, and off to the Sunshine Coast. Yes. Um, what, what's been the biggest change living up there as, as compared to living in, in Sydney where life was a bit more insane? Yeah, it's insane, but great. You know, I think we, we noticed a few things straight away. The ads were interesting, <laughs> a little bit different, but now we're but on TV and the radio, but now we're used to them. Now now we're, you know, part of that. Um, the other part was, um, you know, w- where we lived, we were eight minutes from anywhere. So eight minutes to Bondi, eight minutes to Chinatown, eight minutes to the city. And that vibrant, you know, beautiful life of a big city, Sydney, Melbourne, wherever you are, um, is why I, I lived in the cities all that time. I loved it. I thought to myself, I'll never move. And it was a big shock coming to a town with two traffic lights, 50,000 people, one Chinese restaurant, one Japanese restaurant, um, and a good yeah, 45 minutes drive to anywhere else. Aren't they uh, good, though? You, you look at the Japanese restaurant you've got up there and the Chinese restaurant, they are outstanding and would stand up in any city in the world as, as a, I, a fantastic restaurant. I totally agree with you, Pete, and that's what's made uh, soften the blow. But you know, there's, there's, there, there, you swap you swap that life for a very different style, uh, type of culture. Everyone's vibrant. Everyone's out and out outdoors. Um, and then the discovery of these um, incredible people up in the hinterland and on the coast who are so dedicated to, I guess, keeping our oceans and and our our land pristine. Um, growers. Growing organic food, you know, camel farms. This show has just opened the door even more to me because the, every Sunday we have a great market here in Noosa. Um, everybody, you know, there's, there's like Shambhala farms. They, they're a cooperative of people who put their, their vegetables together, grow organically, and then bring it to the market. There are little growers who just grow avocados or custard apples or mangoes, you know, old school, old growth. Uh, mangoes, heirloom mangoes, I guess you could say, not grafted. And 
So I, I had a real taste that the, the farmers bring, you know, organic beef and pork and lamb. And so I got a taste through the markets. But doing this show just opened that door so wide and showed me an incredible side to the Sunshine Coast that isn't just the surf and the sand and, and you know, the Noosa Strip. It's actually a, a whole lot of incredibly caring people who are so passionate about the environment and also what they grow. You've, bring, you've brought me to a really good point. Peter Kuravita is my guest. He's a chef, restaurateur, TV presenter, author, consultant, surfer, fisherman and family man. We are talking about his new series, which will air on SBS very shortly. It's called Coastal Kitchen. And I think, Pete, those of us who, who know you from the box know you've done shows in, um, so you've done uh, My Sri Lanka, Island Feast and Mexican Fiesta, um, where you've done those shows internationally. But now you get to hoof around Noosa, Gimpi, which is, which is my, my father's homeland, Mulaney and Kennel Worth, which are in the the hinterland behind um, behind Noosa. There's you know Mulabar, which is a bit south on the coast. The Glasshouse Mountains, Kinkin, beautiful, beautiful part of the world. You get to hoof around there and actually take us into a a broader discovery of of that region, which in itself has a whole series of microclimates, and it it, it must be a fascinating program to make. It was. It was. Um you know, the drive, the early morning drive, you always head off before sunrise. And so every place we ended up, like the Glasshouse Mountains, I've seen them in a distance when driving to Brisbane. When you get up close to these things, they are the most beautiful um, structures you can imagine. I mean, some of them are just pinnacles. We, we went to one farm underneath this pinnacle, a giant farm, three generations of farmers. Um, the guy grew custard apples and macadamias. Um, an incredible, incredible discovery in itself. But then we went to the back of the farm, and his two sons wanted to be motocross riders. So they were, um, they had a proper full, uh, professional track with an ex-professional training them. And every day, instead of going to school on a Wednesday, they would um, train for motocross competitions. Um, and, and you know, you, you bump into these people that that are incredible. There's a Stephanie Alexander School in Kim Kim. Um, it's, it's called the Kitchen Garden. And what they do is um, the, the program basically puts in a beautiful garden so that all the kids understand where their food comes from, everything from, you know, basically tiny amount of small permaculture where they grow their own worms, they don't use any chemicals, they grow chili so that they can make chili spray to spray on the, on the leaves so that the bugs don't get. They learn about companion plants, um, about planting and growing. But the most interesting thing that came out of that, that whole conversation was that the high school, uh, the headmaster said to me, some of the kids who aren't that great at literacy and numeracy have actually improved via this uh, program because once they harvest all their stuff, they have to take it into a kitchen, which is specially designed for them. Yep. There's a young chef in there who works with them. And, and then they start learning, you know, a quarter of this, a third of that, two times that. And so through cooking, these kids are actually getting a really good understanding of literacy and numeracy as well. So um, look, it, it's just an incredible region to travel. You mentioned them all, from dairy to macadamias to um, red claw marrons, which are native to this country, uh, to this area, um, and, and, and unique to the country. Macadamias, which now are, ra- are around the world, but again, came from the Sunshine Coast, um, the beautiful spanner crab. I went out fishing for those. Um, it was a really fun show to make. It was tight, um, and it's action-packed. It's six series, six episodes. Episodes. And mm. we cook. We cook um, 
I basically visit four different farms and then cook four different dishes every episode. So uh, you don't want to walk away for a second because you might miss, You'll miss something. something. Peter, I also want to. I was up there not so long ago, and we were in the hinterland, and um, we found a couple of wineries. Uh, so you yeah. know, less than about probably an hour from the coast. Um, yeah. And we, you talk about the Sunshine Coast, and people have the the vision of, of beautiful white sand beaches and great surf and uh, national parks and mountains and stuff. But but as you get into that that hinterland, get into that area behind the Sunshine Coast, you mentioned the Glasshouse Mountains. The story behind those, the Dreamtime story, is. A fascinating story to be told and and to understand about you know the big mountain Tim Bragagan and his wife and and how he turned away from his sons. It's it's a fascinating Dreamtime story to 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 listen to. But you look in there and you get in behind there and there's there's just there's there's wineries and in a in a subtropical climate or a tropical climate you wouldn't expect to find a winery producing red wines it's 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 quite remarkable and that's in and around Mullaney and Kittleworth how industrious and and sort of thoughtful people are about what's what's on their doorstep it's so true it's so true um one of the I've met I met many interesting you know people uh one of them was um this guy whose name is Tom who um is a permaculturalist so his um whole farm is you got this ambling road, and it looks like a bit of a mess, but it is the most abundant farm I've ever seen with a, a ridiculous variety of uh, fruit and vegetables, everything from a jackfruit tree bearing giant fruit to Camarillo, you know, to all the different herbs. We were walking along one area, and in the crack on the footpath, there was this little, what looked like a weed coming up, and we stopped and looked at it, and he said, look at this, this is amazing trying to cultivate it everywhere. And then right here in the in the middle of the pathway where it's the worst, it grows. And this guy was so passionate. He was so passionate about permaculture that he actually didn't want to sell anything to make money because he believed that everything had to go back into the soil, mm. so that the whole cycle just went. He made his own methane by when he was milking the cows. He'd use the, um, the, the, cow, the cow droppings to put into this... Um, concrete pits that he's made and as he puts it in over 50 days as it compacts it actually pressures presses gas up to the roof of the pit and to that he had his gas pipes connected so he was cooking with uh free gas i guess um he was pretty much off the grid um and very happy i mean his kitchen was just his kitchen table was just this incredible selection of seeds all neatly arranged all ready for the next harvest and everything that he didn't use, he ploughed back into the ground. Just, it was just incredible. Him and so many other people. I cooked with a, uh, an indigenous lady, one of the elders from the from the tribes up here, and we went through um, uh, a garden, like a nursery for indigenous foods and plants, and that was just amazing. To we, we've all sort of played with with um, a bush food a long time ago, and it's sort of and, and there've been a few staples, but again, it was just reignited with me how incredible um, uh, what we have around. I mean, we live here in sand, and so trying to grow things that, that aren't, don't work here isn't, isn't really very smart. And she was just showing me all these incredible local native foods and plants that you could grow around. So I just learned so much. And got, got, uh, it's, it's the kind of cooking I like. You go out, you meet someone, you get so inspired by them that you come back and cook, and that's exactly what we did. Dish after dish after dish, it was brilliant. 
Peter Kravita is a chef, restaurateur, author, presenter, all sorts of things. He's uh, he's he's got to run away and start cooking again in a in a minute. But uh, mate, just just a final question. You, you talked about the indigenous influence um, in this show. You get to run around and wear some really cool clothes in this uh, in this series. By the way, those shorts are very very loud. Um, <laughs> You're, you're of Sri Lankan heritage. Um, I know you're running a tour, um, two tours next year, one in March, one in October, which uh, go to India and, and Sri Lanka. How cool are those things to do, to take people into your space, into your, um, to explore a little bit of your heritage and show them what, um, what that part of the world is uh, all about? See, that, that, I think I've done about six now or seven, um, mostly to Sri Lanka and we still today, I was talking to some of the people from one of the tours because they're still cooking. They're still, it's not just a tour. I'm not just a tour guide. We get immersed. It's, for me, it's going home and just saying, Hey, look, this is my backyard. Come and see us. And we make sure people get really unique experiences. Um, last time I haven't done it before, but last time we were driving past our ancestral home which is now 360 years old. You know, pretty much all of my father's generations lived, born, you know, born, lived and died there. And I just thought, I just gave my auntie a call, who still lives there, and said, uh, do you mind if we drop in? And, you know, it's just one of those impromptu things, but something that I don't think as a traveller you're going to get um, that real inside experience. And, of course, we cook a lot. Um, we meet. Well, that's... And really explore Sri Lanka the way it should be. India is the full luxury tour. It's in palaces and temple, uh, you know, Maharaja's palaces and stuff. And it's probably, you know, I've backpacked India many times, but uh, glam packing is uh, much better for India, and you probably stay a little bit healthier as well. <laughs> I, I don't glam uh, pack. I don't. I don't camp. I don't glam. I don't. I like the idea of travelling to Maharaja in Maharaja Maharaja's palaces all the way. You've, yeah. you've got me there. Uh, that's happening in March um, and Sri yeah. Lanka in October. Mate, it's always good to talk to you. I'll uh, be seeing a bit of you, I think, in the next little while. So um, we can have yeah. that conversation off the phone. But uh, Peter Kuravita's new series, uh, it does air on SBS in November. It is called Coastal... Oops, I've just lost my link. Peter Kuravita's Coastal Kitchen. Coastal Kitchen, and you'll find it on SBS. Mate, it's good to talk to you. I'll let you get back to the pans. You too. Take care. Good on you. That's Peter Kuravita. He is a good bloke. Um, Noosa will... We have so much to talk about in Noosa, but in the meantime, we might have a couple of community services announcements. And today is World Bacon Day, uh, International Bacon Celebration Day. Matt Wilkinson, who um, is a good friend of ours, is going to talk about bacon and Father's Day all in one hit very shortly. You're on Cravings here on Joy 94.9. Hi, I'm Manny Fellil, and you are with Pete Dillon on Cravings on Joy 94.9. Today is International Bacon Day, and tomorrow is Father's Day. I think International Bacon Day should be on Father's Day, and somebody who agrees with that is our good buddy, Matt Wilkinson. He joins me on the phone. Matt, good afternoon. Hello. How are we? Good, thank you. Now, I'm assuming you've, I'm assuming you've had a serve or two of bacon this morning already. Oh, I've had quite a few through my lifetime. <laughs> um, I actually did have bacon this morning. See, good. Cause I, um, did you know it was International Bacon Day? Nah, no idea. Why do we ha- need to have an International Bacon Day? Why shouldn't we have an International Bacon Day is the bigger question. 
I think the last time you called me it was International Sausage Day. So is there something going on I don't know about? Well, I know, uh, probably not. It was just, I thought about it this morning and I thought, it's Bacon Day and tomorrow's Father's Day. Who do I know that could eloquently and cleverly and insightfully speak on those two things together? And I could think of nobody else but you. (laughs) That's good. As I was lying in bed this morning, Matt Wilkinson, I was thinking of you. Hey, um, Father's Day tomorrow. I'm wondering if people are sort of wondering, sort of running around thinking, "Geez, what should I do for Dad? How about you cook him lunch or dinner? What would what would you put on to onto the menu if it was your choice to cook for Father's Day?" To cook for Father's Day, um, well, the footy's on tomorrow. I think it'd be like just like a little uh, sausage sizzle out in the um, garden with a couple of. uh, um, select beverages. There is, there, is, there is no footy this weekend, mate. It's women's footy this weekend. Isn't that? No. Well, what's that? That's not football. It's un-Australian. <laughs> it's Australian. It is Australian. Uh, it's a oh. it's a bye weekend for the football because we go into finals next week. The women are playing tonight. Oh, well, there you go. Well, then tomorrow. They, they get my idea tomorrow. Yeah. Um, what should what should we roast at this time of year? If we if we're going to bang on a roast for the old man, what should what should we roast at this time of the year? Um, a good top side, nothing beats a good um, square cut lamb or goat shoulder. Um, slow cooked pork belly. I love the whole beef oyster blade. Oh yeah. Um, but you roast it and then you just put it in the pan with and like half cover it with water and onions and carrots. You put a bit of stout in there if you want. Um, some prunes and then. Um, just cook that right down. You always eat Sunday, so Father's Day. Does Father's Day always happen on a Sunday? Yeah, it does. Second Sunday. <laughs> it is. The, you need to catch up on your current affairs, my friend. First Sunday in September is Father's Day. Second Sunday in May is Mother's Day. Well, it's like nothing beats a classic Sunday, Sunday roast, does it? Well, you'd think so. And you'd have a bit of Yorkshire pudding as well, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. We had Yorkshire puddings on the menu last week. I forget how good they are and how fattening they are. <laughs> well, they're only fattening because you're probably like me and put a half a pound of butter on them. Well, no, yeah, I just, I, well, I had three. <laughs> hey, um, now, you've, you've been, uh, you know, being farmer, 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 uh, beef farmer for a while, yes? Oh, no, no, I'm not a farmer at all, no. I've been uh, looking after a farm for a very close friend, and, um... Yeah, making sure that it's all okay. And you are... No, I'm not a farmer. You were up to your elbows in a cow at one point helping to deliver something? Was that a, a story I read on the internet? Is that an urban myth or was that actually happening? Nah. <laughs> it's Chinese... My industry is such a, like, stupid industry for gossip. <laughs> right? In fact, it's not even a dairy farm. They're not carving... No, it was. I, I lost. I might have lost a few cows, which is quite. That's quite easy to do in a four hundred and fifty hectare forest. Especially after you've had a couple um, of special beverages. Especially <laughs> when I, you know, I, like, I did. I did get heavily electrocuted, and it set me on my ass. And I did have a baby bull or calf, um, knock me into the old John Thomas, and uh, that hurt a bit. Um, <laughs> But apart from that, yeah, it all went really well. I, I, I loved it. Are you allowed back? Yeah, yeah, I hope so. Well, I haven't told the boss yet, as in Charlie, but um, 
Um, they're going to go away again. Well, so Salon was there from Warrell to Belt of Galloway. They're going to visit their daughter in Canada in March, and I've put my hand up to look after the farm again. And I'm carrying on doing... So I've been doing one day a week with them since October last year. How, um, not every week, but... How, how important is that, yeah. Matt? You know, we, you... You sort of you've, you're concentrating a bit more on Pope Joan and and um, spending a bit more time there. How important is it that you're you're out getting your hands dirty with the farmers? Does it give you a better appreciation of what you cook with? So the easiest thing is like so journalists, these certain dodgy radio hosts, not like yourself, Peter. <laughs> but they, um, <laughs> you know, everybody talks about the paddock to plate, right? And I think I know. I use all you know um, small producers. Uh, I think I really, you know, um, push that, and it's, it's everything I stand for. So I know the two plate. I know the. I think I know the plate, um, but I've got no idea about the paddock, right? And I've done a lot, a bit, a lot of visits to farms, and um, I want to get more of an idea. Also, I want to at some point buy some property, so it's you know, it's a good time in my life, and also you know, start to think about what is when the boys grow up, what do I do afterwards? So. Um, I want to combine some farming and, and food, and uh, TV does glorify that farming element of it, and it, I know how to work hard, which is a kitchen. So I went in, and the one thing that I realized, I now know I knew nothing about farming. And <laughs> after doing this, like, three weeks and this one-day week for the last nearly a year, I definitely know nothing about farming. <laughs> it's, that's the thing where it's... Um, but, and, and that then means I know more than... You know, most people are farmers. <laughs> but Correct. no way I'm in the lines of trying to say I'm a farmer. I'm just doing this for me to try and learn more about animal behavior, what actually really does happen, um, how things really are processed, and, and, and get to the fundamentals of it, and, you know, learning that the true cuts and what they are and how they work and different species and how animals work. You know, like heifers and cows, well, heifers, right? So they're um, Females. female cows that have not had a child, so they're roughly all up until about two years old. Yes. Right? They're an absolute bitches. They're like, give me a <laughs> 1.2 ton bull, right? Any day, right? Those little measly 350, 400 kilo heifers are absolute cows. Right? <laughs> <laughs> they want to sidekick you, they nudge you, they're like, they're just, yeah. Anyway, so there's a, there's a yeah, a right heifer's that's when we start calling people I don't like. Yeah, yeah be much, much more polite than bitch, I should think. Yeah. <laughs> Mate, it's always good to talk to you. So tomorrow is Father's Day. Um, are you doing anything at Pope Joan for Father's Day? Yeah, we've got specials on. We've actually got uh, the normal bacon bits and pieces, but um, there's a lamb, a lamb uh, uh, what's it called? The little part of your leg called? Um, lamb, a lamb shank and a lamb neck special on. Yes. There's a, a roast beef Yorkshire pudding special on with beer, sample beer. Um, but I'm going to um, see uh, the beautiful Joe and Maddie Stone at Oakridge. Charlie's taking me there for lunch. Oh, nice. <laughs> you don't have to work in your own kitchen tomorrow. That's probably a good thing. It's a nice gift. Yeah, well, I, think, I don't think any father should Father's Day. Well, there may going to be a lot of kitchens that are going to be empty. No, there's a young... <laughs> Females out there that can fucking said. Or we'll get the young apprentices that aren't yet dads or that don't know if they're dads yet so on the yeah, pans as well. Are, Correct. <laughs> Mate, it's always good to talk to you. Happy Father's Day for tomorrow. Happy International Bacon Day for Thank today. You. And uh, we, we shall catch up soon, my friend. All right, 
Alright, take care. Okay, cheers. That's Matt Wilkinson. Okay. It's always good for a chat. Um, it is International Bacon Day, so if you haven't yet had a, a serve of bacon, it's perfectly reasonable for you to go and do that in the middle of the afternoon. Just have a bacon sandwich, stick a bit of cheese on it, some homemade mayonnaise. You can't go wrong. Uh, you are on Cravings here on Joy 94.9. Um, we've had a quite an exciting show with, uh, with Nina and Kelly talking about wine, and we've had Peter Coravita talking about life in Noosa and his new series called Coastal Kitchen. That will be on SBS in November so keep your eye out for that and uh, Matt Wilkinson who's always full of fun if you've been with me Pete Dillon on Cravings on Joy 94.9 Thank you for listening to a Joycast from Joy 94.9 Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation Joy Help us keep Joy on air head to joy.org.au Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.